0: News, sports, weather, politics, the latest information. First,
1: WVOW and WVOWRadio.com.
2: Together, strange year for every aspect of our lives. This includes political campaigns, as candidates have not been able to do as much door knocking, forums, rallies, and town halls as they normally could. We are going to address that tonight. Welcome to Election 2020 on WVOW AM and FM and WVOWradio.com. Tonight, we'll hear from candidates for West Virginia House of Delegates in the 24th District, Margita Mizaki, Tim Tomlin, Jordan Bridges, and Susan Perry. Candidates for Logan County Prosecuting Attorney David Wandling and Joe Spradling. And candidates for Sheriff of Logan County, Christopher Trent and Paul P.D. Clemens. We are at the Savas-Costas Theater on the Logan campus of Southern West Virginia Community and Technical College. And we give them thanks for the use of the theater and for all of their technical assistance. Without the folks at Southern, none of this would be possible. Succeed at Southern, and that's what we're doing tonight. Also, special thanks to all of our sponsors. Without them, none of this happens. Our thanks also to the candidates uh, all across the room for being here. I am Jay Nunley from WVOW, and I'll be serving as moderator for all of our debates. This is the first in a series of debates. Our next series will be on September 29th. We'll hear from candidates for State Senate in the (laughs) 7th District County Commission and County Prosecutor. Our final series will be on October 20th and will include candidates for House, State Senate, County Commission, and Sheriff. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll go over the rules for our debate for both our candidates and for those of you listening across the world tonight. This is Election 2020 on WVOW.
3: The Children's Home Society of West Virginia is a private, non-profit child welfare organization founded in 1896. The Children's Home Society's vision is that each child in West Virginia grows up in a safe and nurturing family that provides for his or her current and future needs. If you would like to know more or become a foster parent, call 304-239-2470. The Children's Home Society of West Virginia, serving children and families since 1896.
4: Hey, folks, your man, Travis Chopper Fair, coming to you from Dutch Miller, South Charleston, West Virginia, coming to you for some deals on Dodge Durango this month. We got the GT all-wheel drive for only $349 a month or the GT Plus all-wheel drive for $419 a month. Call me for the details and let me chop, chop, chop the prices for you. Dutch
3: Miller Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Kia in South Charleston. 304 343 7700 Or visit DutchMillerDodge.com. Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services, founded in 1975 by Riley Joe Evans, is a full-service funeral provider, and 2020 makes it 45 years of offering services that respect all faiths, personal preferences, and financial considerations. They're the only funeral home in Boone, Lincoln, and Logan with its own crematory. Contact Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services at 304 852 53232 or visit dash funeral homecom or like Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services on Facebook to see their updated obituary information. US Loans is the Tri-States fishing headquarters. Rods and Rills, line and lures, life jackets of all sizes kayaks and canoes, sinkers, hooks, and let's not forget live minnows and bait, including crappie, minnows, and goldfish. The best selection of the best brands in fishing gear and supplies is at U.S. Loans in Man, formerly Uncle Sam's Loans. Call 304- 583-6969. 583-6969. Here's
5: NECO employee, Becky Adams. Foster parents are one of the biggest resources that can be used to help children heal from trauma. And it doesn't take a perfect parent to be a foster parent, just somebody that is willing to open their home, open their hearts, and
6: provide them with some stability, love, and structure. Call NECO of Logan at 304 seven
5: W WVOW Logan.
2: Welcome back to 2020, the election and debate here on AM and FM and WVOWradio.com. We're going to go over the rules of our debates. Uh, the candidates have already had these rules in hand for a while. We want to make sure the listeners know, and also to do a refresher course, and we won't go through every single rule just the ones that are germane to listeners tonight. First off, personal attacks and insults towards other candidates are not permitted. Now, a candidate may criticize an opponent's voting record, platform, or policy ideas, but not a personal attack. And the moderator, that's me, will be the sole arbiter of what constitutes a personal attack. The moderator is not permitted to discuss or have a conversation with any candidate about the debates that began on September 4th, and we'll continue to the last debate on 1020. Now, the reason for this is because I have either a personal and or a professional relationship with every single candidate on all of these dockets, and uh, just keep the appearance of impropriety out, but also, to be fair, no conversations about the debates with anyone. Uh, Another uh, rule is each candidate will be asked an equal number of questions. It could be two. It could be three. It could be ten. We'll see how time goes but everybody will get an equal number of questions. Each candidate gets two minutes to answer the question asked them. Opponents then will have one minute to uh, rebut uh, that uh, answer, or they can choose to answer the same question themselves in that one-minute time. Now, Due to time constraints, the timekeeping will be strict. We don't want to be rude, uh, but because of time constraints, candidates will be given a visual cue. You'll see it right here with Mr. Stone. Uh, you'll have, when you see that visual cue, it's a light. That means you have 15 seconds left. When the light goes out, uh, you are done and your microphone will be turned off, even if you're in mid sentence. Each candidate will be given five minutes at the end of their debate for a closing statement. Candidates may not ask opponents questions during the debate. However, asking questions of an opponent is permitted during your five minute closing statement if you want to use your time that way. Comments or outbursts from those in attendance will not be permitted. Uh, Which candidate is asked a question first in each debate will be determined and has been determined by a random drawing executed by me, the moderator, on September 4th. One more thing, language considered obscene by the Federal Communications Commission is prohibited, and that includes me. Uh, I have to fight that battle every day. All right, we're going to take a break, and then we're coming back with our debate between candidates for House of Delegates. This is Election 2020 on WVOW.
3: Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services, founded in 1975 by Riley Joe Evans, is a full-service funeral provider. And 2020 makes it 45 years of offering services that respect all faiths, personal preferences, and financial considerations. They're the only funeral home in Boone, Lincoln, and Logan with its own crematory. Contact Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services at 304-855-3232 or visit www.evans-funeral-home.com or like Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services on Facebook to see their updated obituary information. The Children's Home Society of West Virginia is a private, non-profit child welfare organization founded in 1896. The Children's Home Society's vision is that each child in West Virginia grows up in a safe and nurturing family that provides for his or her current and future needs. If you would like to know more or become a foster parent, call 304-239-2470. The Children's Home Society of West Virginia, serving children and families since 1896. The staff and management of NECO of Logan are still providing services to children and families during this current state of affairs. They are continuing to provide counseling and case management services safely and conveniently through telehealth. And for a limited time, NECO is offering online foster parent training classes. For more information, visit NECO.org or call them at 304-752-7830. U.S. Loans is the tri state's fishing headquarters. Rods and reels, line and lures, life jackets of all sizes, kayaks and canoes, sinkers, hooks, and let's not forget live minnows and bait, including crappie, minnows, and goldfish. The best selection of the best brands in fishing gear and supplies is at U.S. Loans in Man, formerly Uncle Sam's Loans. Call
4: 304 304- Hey folks, your man, Travis Chopper Fair, coming to you from Dutch Miller, South Charleston, West Virginia, home of Friends and Family Pricing We got the 19 model Ram heavy duty trucks right now, up to $6,500 off on the 25 Crew Tradesman, or $7,500 off on the 3,500 Crew Bighorn Call me for the details and let me chop, chop, chop the prices for you 304-343-7700
3: 304-343-7700 or visit DutchMillerDodge.com
7: Welcome
2: back to the Sabbath Costas Theater on the Logan Campus of Southern West Virginia Community and Technical College. Succeed at Southern. We start tonight with a debate between four of the candidates for House of Delegates in the 24th District. They are Susan Perry, Margita Mazaki, Tim Tomlin, and Jordan Bridges. Our first question goes to uh, Susan Perry, there is what most call a crisis with foster care and other child services in West Virginia. What legislation or policies will you look to implement to address this crisis?
6: Thank you for that question and thank you to WVOW and to the uh, community college here for allowing us this opportunity to come on. Um, the underlying cause of of children in foster care is always our opioid epidemic. And we have a lot of treatment beds now in West Virginia. We could use more. But what we need is an aftercare service. Because in order to succeed after an addict is clean and sober, they need supportive services. And those supportive services are transportation, Safe housing, sober housing, employment opportunity, small business grants, and mentors to allow. People who are recovered to start small businesses, because of their criminal records, often they cannot get jobs in other locations. And so many of them resort to small businesses. So those are the kinds of services that we as a state need to offer to people who are in recovery.
2: Mr. Bridges, you're one minute. Uh, you can either uh, uh, rebut uh, Miss Perry's uh, answer or answer the question yourself. Would you like to hear the uh, uh, question repeated? Okay.
8: No, you're fine. Well, I happen to agree with Susan as far as
2: the logistics of what
8: she's saying. Uh, I, I'd like to also add that we need to uh, the family union unit is a problem. There's a, there's a lot of emphasis on you know you can make more from the system if you're a single parent or so forth and so on. And I think we need to gear it back toward Let's make sure the father is with the mother. Let's make sure the parents are together. Let's strive to make that a better, stronger family union on top of looking for new jobs, and new opportunities for our citizens.
2: And uh, Mr. Tomlin, your response. Thank you, Jay. Um, I think we've made a lot of strides in in our
9: uh,
2: um, rehab centers and uh, centers
9: for people who are on drugs and uh, trying to rehab centers and getting off. But I think we need to further that, and I think that we need to do a study to, you know you've got success in one program in one area of the West Virginia and other other areas have other successes I think we need to have a uniform approach to, it, to see what they're doing we need to have a study to where what they might be doing up north might be something that would work here I think that uh we need some unity in that so all our programs are uh,
2: continually together thank you very much and Ms. Mazaki your response
5: all right, I have heard of if, from a friend who shared about his problems with the foster care. They want to foster so bad and how long the process is. It's way too long, and then there are there is so much hurt in this whole field of foster care because there is no real rules, nothing is really set because uh, uh, people can t- keep uh, the, can get the children. From today, in their house, and then next week, they will be gone. And people put emotional so much in there, and they cannot—they um, uh, they have a hard time dealing with this. And there is so much about it, so much to say. It's just wild.
2: Our next question goes to Ms. Mizaki. Uh, Governor Justice did not call for a special session to address issues surrounding COVID-19. CARES Act funding, and all of these other things related to the pandemic. Did the governor make the right choice in not uh, calling a special session of the legislature? Why or why not?
5: I like Governor Justice, but to be honest with you, he overstepped because he did not let us choose what we want to do. And I personally think that the legislator ha- should have been involved. They are the group to make the rules. And so we need to go back and get everybody together and, uh, and make a crisis program uh, that will not give the governor um, the choice to just make a choice. Uh,
2: Ms. Perry, your response?
6: Under West Virginia's Constitution, the legislature appropriates funding, and I believe that the Governor should have followed our Constitution and allowed the legislature to come in and prioritize the funding. I understand that the Governor thought that that there would be a fight. he's probably right, there probably would have been, but out of those disagreements, arguments. And presentations, we would have come up with a good solution.
2: And Mr. Bridges, your response. Can you say the question one more uh, time? Yeah. Did uh, Governor Justice make the right decision in not calling for a special legislative session to deal with CARES uh, Act funding and COVID 19? And did he make the right choice or not? And why? Or why not? Well, we are, uh,
8: if the elected officials that's in this House and Senate, uh, that's why they are elected is to govern the state, so that they should have convened the session to come in. We, they, we, the people, should have had the voice as to what happened to our area through our representatives. And yes, that they, um, the appropriations of the money, should have been dealt with through legislation, because uh, the mandates don't do anything. You know, there's no. There's no enforcement of it. So if they wanted something to happen, it needed to become law. And the only way to become law is through legislation.
2: Mr. Tomlin, uh, your response to the question?
8: Yes, I think that uh, you know our
9: state has done a, a pretty
2: good job under circumstances with handling it.
9: I think he's done a good job with letting the professionals, the healthcare care professionals, uh, people handle it. But I think he was wrong in not calling a special session for us to call us back to figure out how the money should be appropriated. Uh, Actually, that's what our job is. That's uh, between the Senate
2: and
9: the legislature to to appropriate the money for certain
2: avenues. Our next question goes to you, Mr. Tomlin. Uh, There have been two teacher strikes in just a few short years in West Virginia. Is PEIA and teacher pay a settled issue now? Is there more work, or is there more work the legislature needs to do? And if they do, what would that work be?
9: Well, as we stand right now, you know, the teachers in in West Virginia aren't on the same scale as teachers in other states. Uh, In order for us to attract and keep our good teachers, we need to keep their pay on a uh, scale with other attractive jobs and stuff. Um, They had, um, during the strikes, you know, the state of West Virginia uh, told the teachers, promised that they were going to give them their 5% raise. They actually bundled some other things in there, uh, so it made it look like, sweeten the pot, so to speak, which I didn't agree with. I don't agree with the charter schools, and I don't agree with how some of the teachers have been handled. Um, I think and I feel that our teachers should be allowed to teach. I think they need to take some of the mandates off of them, let them teach before they actually judge them based upon results. when, when uh, When the process for their results is mandated and they have no choice of how they teach, I think that they should uh, have that choice to teach the way they should – each county should have that choice and then be judged on their results before they continue with other programs.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, Ms. Perry, your response?
6: This one's very personal for me because I'm a retiree from the state of West Virginia, and my health care coverage comes through PEIA. It is not a settled issue because the governor put some money, a one-time money, into the PEIA program to shore it up. When that money is gone, we're going to be looking for money, again, to shore up the program because what we pay in premiums and what is expended to cover our medical uh, costs are not equal. So the legislature needs to be looking for a dedicated source of funding to help shore up the PEIA funding so that we'll have good benefits for our teachers and our school service personnel.
2: Ms. Mizaki, your response?
6: I love teachers. I love moms. Lift the lid
5: of their, of their um, uh, possibilities. Just let them teach to their heart's content. I'm happy that they got to this. I If I would go, I would get, uh, try to get them some more. But don't take school choice away from me.
2: And Mr. Jordan, or Mr. Bridges. Okay,
8: well, it's kind of personal to me, too. My Both my grandparents are retired teachers, and uh, Clarence Elkins and them, you know, retired uh, vice principal and all that. But anyway, I think the way that we can secure the funding for the PEIA and all that is if we had a new industry's diverse economy come into our area to create a larger tax revenue to where we could use the taxes from the new industries to help secure up the PEIA and the funding for the teachers and maybe even give them another raise here on down the future. But we have to secure, we have to figure out ways to bring other industries in here to create a larger tax revenue. That way we're not taking from one robin Peter to pay Paul. You know, we got to have something to actually sustain this instead of just putting a Band-Aid on it.
2: Our next question goes to you, Mr. Bridges, or Mr. Jordan, depending on which way you want to go. Are you in favor of term limits for state legislatures, or legislators, and why or why not? And also, what should those term limits be? Well, it's kind of a tricky question, because technically, term limits are
8: every election. I mean, if you don't want them, you can vote them out. But at the same time, you get somebody in there that, 40, 50 years down the road or whatever, you know, I, I, I think there should be a limit to that. Maybe maybe six consecutive terms, something of that nature might work. I'd have to look into it a little bit more. But technically, term limits are every election year. So, I mean, you just take it how you want to
2: on that one. Uh, Mr. Tomlin, uh, yes or no on term limits and what should they be?
8: I, I do
9: support term limits. Uh, I don't know, you know, the question, the main question is what would they be? And if we have somebody that's elected to our from our district that's doing us, you know, just for an example, Robert Byrd, look what he did for West Virginia. He was in there for a long time. We wanted to push him aside. Um, you know, under term limits, you know, um, the people who are in there the longest, you know, seem like they can get the things done. And that's what we might strive to do is have more of our representatives that have more power in Washington and the state of West Virginia. But, um, that's the question on term limits. And, you know, when I first got elected, I thought two years for the legislature was uh, a, a short term for, you know, to have your, uh, be elected and have to run every two years. And my biggest thought was after I got over there, I can see why.
2: We well, thank you very much. Uh, Miss Mazzaki. your uh, answer.
5: I am for term limits. Um, I would say that, Every person, every citizen should be involved in politics, and if it's only for a period of two years, that's fine, but we, need to get, we get, need to get more people, and I don't agree with that the longer they are in that they are doing a better job. I mean, no way.
2: And, Ms. Perry, your uh, response?
6: I'm not in favor of term limits for the reason that Mr. Bridges said. Every election is an opportunity to impose term limits. And what we know from the example of Robert Byrd and also from Earl Ray Tomlin is that people who are in the legislature for a period of time rise to those levels of leadership and they're able to do more for their district and they learn more. And so if, if they're not doing the job, they can be voted out by the people who sent them there. But otherwise, I wouldn't limit their terms.
2: We have one more series of questions uh, for each candidate, and then we'll do our, uh, uh, our five-minute closing statements. Uh, the question now first goes to Ms. Mazaki. It is no secret that dilapidated and destroyed roads are a major problem in southern West Virginia especially. What should the legislature do about the situation with roads?
5: That is a very good question. And um, we got a huge amount of money for new roads. I think that was last year. Um, I would have to look when, when that exactly was. And this, no, they changed, they changed the Constitution on that one. Yes, they changed it so that they can actually borrow more money. And so here they have all this money, and they put it together and say, but that is only for new roads, okay? And in order to pay that money back, it it takes 30 years. So in order to use all the money that they got, it takes them 10 years to use the money, and then then you have – so the money is gone, and then you have to repair – Repair the roads, and the ro- and and you have your original um, uh, funds that you get from the taxes, and you ha- now you have even more roads to repair, and there is just it's a it's a it's a big ordeal. Um, we need to uh, to keep an eye on it, and um, the the main issue that I personally see that we are not having enough crews to build all the roads, and um, that is something. Uh, we should focus on so that we actually are keeping money uh, in our state versus getting crews from out of state, and then the taxes go somewhere else.
2: Mr. Tomlin, uh, your response.
9: It's, uh, I think that uh, you know, last year we appropriated an extra 50 million dollars for secondary roads. I think what is going on with our state is I think there's a mismanagement. Of our state road, I think there has to be better management in our system. You know, they're not dredging the roads. They're not uh, cutting the weeds. Those things need to be done. Uh, routine maintenance is a big part of it. Um, we, our, our crews have to have more equipment, better equipment. They have to have somebody that knows what to do and how to do it. And I think the problem is, is we're not have, we don't have the people, the workforce here and I think the best thing to do is to have better paid jobs for our road, road construction crews so that we will attract better people, better, better uh, work ethic, and, and uh, better uh,
2: citizens. Uh, Ms. Perry, you, your response to the question or rebuttal?
6: We have a management problem in this state, and it, and it is impacting our state roads. And so I'm not sure exactly how we fix that, but we need to go in and take a look at the management of state roads. Obviously, in every gubernatorial election, uh, those people who are heading those departments change. If if there's a change, maybe we'll see something different. But we've got to get to the bottom of this as a state to figure out what is wrong with the management of our uh, roads program because... Uh, as Miss Mazzaki said, there was a large amount of money that was dedicated to roads just recently, and the governor's put up those Roads for Prosperity signs, but I don't see them going anywhere.
2: And Mr. Bridges?
6: <clears throat>
2: I
8: think everybody's pretty much hit the nail on the head as far as you know, management of the system. My biggest thing is, I've been doing a little research on it, and I believe that the uh, They they bid out these jobs for these roads. What gets worked on first, and what so forth and so on. And nine times out of ten, if you have a company that's bidded for it, they're going to go for the larger paying jobs, which would be like Route One Nineteen, I Sixty Four, I Seventy Seven, so forth and so on. So the problem is they're not wanting to do the secondary roads because it's bidded lower, just slip on the road, the road uh, sawmill road, Route Ten falling down, things like that. It don't pay as much, so these companies are not going forth and doing it. So I think we need to make it a priority to where these people have to take these secondary jobs at some point first or foremost to make sure the secondary roads are being fixed first, and then we can go on to projects of 119 and I-64 and I-77 and so on.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Tomlin.
9: I think that uh, part of the problem is, like they said, mismanagement, but I don't think that uh, these jobs or the slips and so forth are, are bended out by contracting. And there's simply not enough contractors that are bidding on the project. I know several of those uh, projects it was uh, over in Harts Creek, there was one contractor bid on it. And, uh, you know, they're six months, eight months, a year behind in what they have to do to get to that job. And I think that that's part of the problem. Maybe we can figure out a way to um, attract other people to, uh, to do the roads or, or new contractors, get them incentives for West Virginians to start uh, a contracting business, uh, whether it be through loans or, tax
2: breaks on the, the loans for that. Thank you all very much. Uh, this next question starts with Mr. Tomlin. Can tourism really be an economic engine for West Virginia? And if it can be, what does the legislature need to do to make that happen? Well,
9: they, they started a, some of the initiative program of uh, their advertisement. You know, they, they started a division of tourism, who, which are advertising our local assets and uh, throughout the state of West Virginia, which is a big part of it. Uh, you know, we've got some new cabins going up. Now, southern West Virginia, one of the biggest things, the Hatfield-McCoy Trail, which we're getting, exp- things are expanding on that. Tourism is part of the answer. It's not the answer. We need to diversify our economy. We need to support our coal, but we need to diversify our economy. So when that coal market shifts, uh, goes south or goes in its ups and downs, that it's not as big of a hit or hard on our uh, on our economy, local economy.
2: Uh, Mr. Bridges, your response? <clears> okay. <throat>
8: Okay, tourism in the state, I believe that, like Tim Thomas said, the the Half of mccoy Trail is a great thing, but I think we can expand upon it, maybe give uh, some local entrepreneurs a chance to, like, a tax break, tax incentive, something, so they would be like uh, an alpine Coasters and do something other than just a trail system because the trail riders want more than just riding the trails. They want shopping. They want activities to do. So we need to give incentives to local people to want to invest in our area. And on the other side note is we need to put forth some kind of effort to make sure things are cleaned in the area. We need the trash off the side of the roads, whether it be putting the inmates at the jail to work, cleaning up the side of the roads, something we need to change the mindset of the people, make them want to have a better place for our kids to grow up and better. And we want people to come to this area. It needs to be clean and well taken care of.
2: Ms. Perry, your response?
6: One of the things that we've seen across the state is that when a community comes together to work on a plan to increase tourism in their area, this seems to work. We have several examples of this, uh, cities or little areas that have done very well. One of those is Lewisburg, Elkins is trying very hard, uh, the Canaan Valley, Tucker County area. And so we need to take those programs and replicate them in the way they have managed it. Not that every town needs to be Lewisburg because we're all different. What works in Lewisburg won't work in Logan or won't work in Madison. But what will work is the process of getting those communities together to come up with a plan, and that's what we need to enable.
2: Ms. Mozaki, your response or rebuttal?
6: I like tourism. Where I grew up was always
5: tourism in Germany, and it was beautiful. You have these old farmhouses, and everybody takes good care of it. Um, I can see that here. Logan could be an arts and crafty town. It would be really nice to see it happening. Um, I would love to see more that we support more our theaters and our arts and crafts and our Shawnee Trail and stuff like this to get more going again, which everybody profits. Our children profit because they have something to learn. They they learn to to uh, express themselves, and it's good for the families when we have something to, things to do. I can see that we can make this
2: whole project go up again. Our next question, will start with Mr. Bridges. Are you in favor of going to single delegate districts, or are you against it, and why? Well, I would be against it because,
8: I mean, obviously having more delegates having a voice up in Charleston would be better for everybody, especially Logan area. Um, but we need to do the census. That's a big thing. I mean, if we keep losing people... I- what are you supposed to do? I mean, things are going to happen it's just like the congressional districts. We're, we may be losing that here soon because of the downturn in the population in the area. But all, but what I'm getting at is, yes, I think we we should have two, or two uh, seats available for the House. The more people you have voicing our beliefs and our opinions in Charleston, I think the better off you're going to be.
2: Mr. Tomlin, single dele- single delegate districts or no?
9: Well, I'd like to have four or five in our district, but uh, which would the more? That'd be more more for us. But um, I'm not necessarily against it, but I'm not in favor of the way that the, the the lines are drawn, so to speak. Now, you've got people in parts of Whitman and Holden that live in Logan and don't have a say so with their delegate in Logan, and the same thing in Chattanooga. I don't like the way those lines. I'd be uh, willing to renegotiate those lines and change them. I think. The heart of Logan, Logan, the Chatonville man, should be in, in its own district. Um, and, but that goes back to a lot of your uh, your census and, I, and everybody out there. We need to really fill that out. You don't know how much how important that is for all our funding that we get. But back to the question about single delegate: if if part of Logan's a district and part of it's not, but I I'm, I disagree with the way the lines are drawn right now. People in Chatonville and Holden can't vote, can't have no
2: say-so in Logan with their district. Uh, Ms. Bozaki, single delegate districts or no?
5: Yes. And I want them so that my Chapmanville friends can vote for me. I mean, I can't believe it. My, my, all the families and friends that we have can't vote because uh, they belong somewhere else. And we're like, that's just not right. And to get that census going, I don't know what's wrong with people. Why can't we just fill that out? I mean, 10 years ago, it was a huge amount of questions. And this time, you can do it within a couple, a few minutes. I mean, really. And then we get funding in our, in our, in our county. And
6: we need it. So why don't people do it and help?
2: Thank you very much. And uh, Miss Perry?
6: Our legislature has already voted a couple of years ago to have single delegate districts. So unless the new legislature that comes in redoes that uh, vote, we're going to have single delegate districts. And it's going to be easier for people to run because, obviously, we're covering a larger uh, area of the southern West Virginia with a two-delegate district, so when you have a one-delegate district, we're going to have less people, but as uh, Mr. Tomlin said and Ms. Mazzaki, the way they draw the lines is very difficult, and the lines are going to be drawn in this coming session, and so this is going to be one of the biggest issues for our legislature to face in January.
2: Our final question will go uh, first to Ms. Perry. With an elder population and with a high prevalence of diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, and cancer, we are in a perennial health care crisis in West Virginia. Should the legislature address this, and if so, how should they address it?
6: This is a big issue in West Virginia, uh, not only for our elderly population, but we have a lot of people who, because of their previous work uh, in coal industries and in the steel industry and other parts of the state, we have younger people who have chronic medical problems as well. So this is something that we do have to address, and we do need to have more clinics like uh, – Behavioral health clinics. We also need like what we have here in, at, uh, Logan Mingo because Logan Mingo now is not only doing behavioral health, but they're also doing a medical clinic. They have a dentist on staff and these are great to make healthcare available and affordable for low income people. Uh, DHHR has done a lot in the last few years with uh, making the Medicaid population be more accountable for their health care. They have to have a primary health care provider and they can only go to one pharmacy, things like that to help uh, consolidate their medical care. And we need to continue to do that for people who are in other uh, populations, not just the Medicaid population, but for all of us. Uh,
2: Ms. Mazaki, your response?
6: You know what? That's a very hard
5: question for me. Um, we took care of elderly in our family. My husband is a, a therapist. We have a lot of problems for uh, that that he is dealing with uh, people um, that ha- that are sick. it's it's horrible, and we need to take care of them. So, but I was I what I was tickled off was that. Uh, drug-addicted people uh, have now a chance um, to get get uh, their rehabilitation paid for by the health care insurance. And I think that is already a step in the right right direction. Just let's focus on and getting more done.
2: Mr. Tomlin? Well,
10: I I think that issue
9: uh, always needs addressed with the elderly. Uh, Number one, they're on fixed incomes. Number two, the continual uh, inflation rate, uh, you know, the power bills go up, they can't afford it, and their, their income is still fixed. Um, I think we have to have centers and stuff that where the, where this stuff is accessible to them, whether it's uh, physical, mental. Um, and also I think in our area we could use more of the uh, uh, homes like we have up in East End that uh, assisted living type things because uh, a lot of the elderly people, they don't have family around here, they don't have somebody to stay with. And uh, things. Systems or um, sorry, facilities like that would uh, would assist in allowing them to stay where they want to live. They want to live here. They love it here. They've been here. Um, those kind of things would help. And I think we also have one of our issues here is we've got a, a, a mental, a mental, uh, behavioral problem with our uh, that has to be addressed. And with the stigmatism that's, that has been placed on it in the past,
2: today. Sorry, we uh, you, we it got to the end of your time. Uh, Mr. Bridges. Will you repeat the question? Uh, yes, uh, we have, because we have a prevalence of things like diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, and cancer, we're always in a health care crisis in West Virginia. Should the legislature address this, and if so, how should they address it? Great, okay, thank you.
8: Well, I think it comes down to we need to make sure we put out the right the Materials stating, you know, healthy ways of living, health, what, what foods to eat, what proper diet to be in. I mean, that can help bring down diabetes and things like that. That goes a long way. Um, yes, I mean, accessibility to health care facilities would be great, maybe some kind of transportation system. I know we have some, but we need to expand upon that because there's a lot of elderly people that can't drive, and we need to make sure they're
2: able to get the quality care that they need. I want to thank you all very much. We'll now move on to five-minute closing statements. And, again, no one is required to do a whole five minutes. Uh, take as much of that five minutes as you wish. And we will begin with Mr. Tomlin.
9: Thank you, Jay. First of all, I'd like to thank you all for having us here, allowing the college to let us put this on. It's very important for us to inform and educate our constituents on our positions and opinions. I am a graduate of Marshall University with a B.A. in Finance and Management, and I'm self-employed with interest in Logan, Chapmanville, and the Man area. I'm an Eagle Scout board member of the Hatfield-McCoy CVP board and president of Christmas in the Park since 2008. My family has long been involved in community service in West Virginia, and I am asking for your support to give back to our state and the good people of southern West Virginia. I'm proudly endorsed by the United Mine Workers, the West Virginia Education Association, the West, West Virginia School Service Personnel, West Virginia Sheriff Association, Communication Workers of America, West Virginia Association for Justice, International Union of Operating Engineers, the AFL-CIO and the West Virginia AFL-CIO, the NRA, Friends of Coal, West Virginians for Life, and West Virginia Hospital Association. I support and will continue to support our teachers with increased salaries, benefits for service personnel and all our public employees. I'm pro-life. I voted 100% pro-life issue, pro-life issues. I voted for the Born Alive bill and co-sponsored Life Begins at Conception. I support the right to bear arms. I voted 100% for the Second Amendment. I support state and federal economic development in Southern West Virginia. I co-sponsored a bill that uh, economic study for what needs to be done in West Virginia, Southern West Virginia, because of the decline of the mineral uh, extraction. I support clean water and sewage for all parts of West Virginia. I think we need further development of our information te- technologies, and that's been shown right now with the increased load from the kids and stuff in at home. Um, I think our severance taxes should be divided equally. I support our coal industry to keep our keep us competitive and on a level playing field. I support our workers and their rights to good wages, and I would vote to repeal the right to work law. I support anything we can do for our good roads and infrastructure, and I voted for that uh, 50 million dollar additional for our second second uh, dairy roads. These are just a few things that I'm concerned about and support. We have many more challenges now and with the virus COVID- 19 and the tensions that have risen over the past year. We need to work together and overcome our differences as West Virginians and citizens of the United States, our best accomplishments have always come when we work together. This is the only way we can keep America great, America the great country that it is In my two years as your delegate I have proven that I will work across party lines I ask for your support Not as a Democrat, Republican, or Independent But as a concerned citizen Of the state of West Virginia Thank you
2: Thank you uh, Five minutes, Mr. Bridges
8: Okay, first off, thank you all Thank you to WWJ and everybody For putting this on in Southern I mean, it's a great opportunity for us And we all thank you I guess I'd just like to say I'm not a politician. I'm just a concerned husband and father who wants to make a positive difference in the state that I love. I have experienced firsthand the hardships that come with trying to work and provide for oneself or a family. We as Southern West Virginians have supported this entire state. Us in Southern West Virginia have supported the, the entire state for many years. The co-severance tax that we provide has flourished throughout the northern part of the state especially, and I think we need to bring it back to our area. Um, I would like to work to strengthen our industries while, while stre- uh, strengthen the coal industry because I am a coal miner, and that's what I do for a living, so obviously I'm going to support it. But I also see the need to bring other industries into this area. We have to diversify the economy. I've said it 100,000 times. We have ample hundreds of thousands of acres of land on top of these surface mines, especially the one I work at. There's no reason on earth that we shouldn't take advantage of the opportunities given to us. Uh, It's it's time that we put a working class citizen in office. I know there's been many of them, but I'm telling you straight up, I know firsthand what it's like to lose things, to to fall in hard times, lose your job. It's it's not a fun thing to do, but... (laughs) Anyway, I'm also, I've been endorsed by the West Virginians for life. I'm pro-life, and I will always be pro-life. I've been endorsed by the Coal Association, the Trucking Association, West Virginia Farm Bureau, the West Virginia Citizens Defense League. I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I literally carry a gun everywhere I go, and I make no bones about it. You will not see me leave my house without my gun on me, period. And I'm going to quote something from Abraham Lincoln in my closing It says, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we father or lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. And I truly believe that. If we do not stand for what's right in this country, and especially our state, we're liable to lose everything we hold dear. And uh, closing statement,
2: I'm going to say I'm voting for Donald Trump. Thank you very much. Uh, Susan Perry, uh, five minutes for a closing statement.
6: Thank you. My name is Susan Perry. I'm a Logan County resident, lifelong. I was educated at Logan High School, Marshall University, and the WVU College of Law. My husband and I chose after law school to come back to Logan County because this was our home. This is the place that we love. This is the place that we raised our sons. And this is the place where we intend to live for the rest of our days. I'm retired. I have plenty of time to donate to the state, to give to the people of Logan County as their representative, because as I'm sure Mr. Tomlin can tell you, being a legislator is not just 60 days. It's being available to your constituents day and night. It's being available to speak to classrooms, to talk to people when they have issues that they want addressed by the legislature. One of the things that has not happened in West Virginia is that legislators do not come back and talk to their, repre- or to their constituents. And that's one of the things that I want to do as a legislator. And if you vote for me, I pledge to have three town halls every year to talk to citizens so that you can come and tell me your concerns. I want to have one before the legislative session begins so that you can tell me what you'd like to see happen there. I want to have one during the legislative session so that I can tell you a little bit about what's going on and get your feedback. And another one after the session is over so that we can talk about what happened, what we liked, what we didn't like about it, and get ready for next year's session. I am endorsed by the UMWA. I'm endorsed by the AFL-CIO. I'm endorsed by the West Virginia Nurses PAC, Working Families Party, and many other organizations. And if you notice, those are all people organizations. They're not corporate interests. I pledged when I first filed to run that I would not accept corporate donations, and I have not done that. I will not cross picket lines and I will not accept meals from lobbyists. I'll talk to lobbyists because sometimes lobbyists have good information to give to legislators, but I will not accept meals from them. They will not buy my vote. One of the things that we need to concentrate on in this state is broadband. And our broadband services in this state are not regulated. Uh, very very much at all. And so one of the bills that I would like to propose is that broadband be treated as a utility, just like uh, our electricity and our water is a utility and it's regulated. I would like to have our internet regulated too, so that we pay a fair price and so that we have affordable internet available to everybody. And everybody who's listening to this right now probably knows a story about a family in their area who is struggling with their kids trying to learn online right now. We've had months to start addressing this problem, and actually we've had years to start addressing this problem. And we, we are barely scratching the surface So that's one of the things that I would like to make a priority. Another thing that I would like to make as a priority is that we have a one-stop office where people who are in need of social services can go in and get all of their services provided to them in one place. Right now, if you get laid off, you have to go to the unemployment office, which is different from the office where you apply for Medicaid and, and from the office where you apply for food stamps. If you have an injury, vocational rehabilitation is yet in a different agency, and these agencies don't talk very much together. I know that because I used to work in state government. And so that's one of the things that we need to do. Instead of building these silos that's for the benefit of the agency, we need to work for the people of this state. And the people of this state would like to have all of their services provided in one place. Thanks a lot. Vote for me.
2: Ms. Mozaki, uh, you have five minutes for a closing statement.
5: Thank you so much. Like I said, my name is Margita Mizaki and I am from Germany. I came here 21 years ago and I made this my home. I raised my children here. We have our businesses here. We had Studio 19 Photography, a very successful photography business. And then at some point I changed my mind. I did not want this baby behind the computer anymore and we opened up our, um, our, our new uh, therapy business. And I am so excited to live in this country, and we need to keep us free here. No one has an idea what's outside of the United States, what's going on out there. There is, 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 is a, a group of people trying to take over, and you have no idea what's going on. And here we are in our little protective country, in West Virginia, in, in the mountains, in, and we can live like hog heaven. I mean, we have everything we need, almost. We don't have it, but believe me, we have more than a lot in the rest of the world. And we need to try to work together and get our priorities straight to get our education system going because we need to have our children to be able to learn. We need our adults to be able to learn so that we can good workers here to have good jobs here. I mean, there is so many things that we can make better, but we have a good start and we need to be um, more passionate about our county. Uh, like Jordan said before, we have to see that it's, everything is nice and clean. Yes. When we came back here 21 years ago, my husband almost had a shock because it, everything's on the side, on the, the roads. People need to take care of their stuff and be proud. We are living in a beautiful land here. And now we want, I, the, the reason I am choos, choosing to go into politics, because we need to have a voice here. We need to have a fresh voice. We need to have someone who sticks to their guns, because everybody is just like uh, giving in and, and, and it's not helping us here. We need to have a, a, a new vision and, and to see in that we are, we are getting money here for us and helping our children here, because we are different. Our children came up here and grew up here in Chapmanville, and believe me, they didn't have the same classes that even the people in Charleston have. And it's just not right. I'm sorry, it is not right. Our children deserve the same thing, okay? So I'm, I'm ready to to help to make it happen so that we get jobs and real opportunities here. That our uh, that um, um, uh, reasonable regulations should come for 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 these new new workers that new jobs that we will get here we need to seriously address the uh, the drug problem. I am working with our church with the celebrate recovery now for seven years. I love those people. you should see uh, how, how they when they come out of it. I mean how exciting their new life is, which also uh, will will um, the problem with the foster care. Yes, I agree uh, those parents should get their their children back, and then you have the problem you're always in the middle, you have to help every every side, but these are people, and they have hearts and they have feelings, and we need to help them and there are so many things that we need to 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 tackle. We can't tackle it all at the same time, but you know what? Let's get this started, and this is why I'm running as a conservative, conservative Christian, because I am sick and tired of all of this. this uh, that mayor in Charleston uh, who wanted to, to change the name of the Christmas parade to be all ex- inclusive, I am sorry. I mean, this is just sick. Then we have uh, a Democratic uh, lawmakers who pass bills about the bathroom, that everybody can just go in which bathroom they want to. Who who would even imagine this? This is horrible. Needle exchange on every corner. And all kindergartners have to have a reading day with a drag queen. How horrible is this? Where are we? Can't we stand up? And this is why I'm running, and I want you to help me, because we need to go, and we need to have a voice, and we we all need to see, we need to, to... We need to go and follow one party right now because the main thing is that we have the Speaker in the House because he will give the bills to the right people. There is so much behind it, and I'll love and be passionate for this country. Thank you.
2: It's at this point where I wish, uh, where this is the one time I regret that we don't have an audience to give a round of applause to all four of our candidates for House of Delegates. Thank you all so much uh, for your candor and for being here And we look forward to our second debate coming up in a few weeks. Thank you so much. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be speaking with uh, candidates for Logan County Prosecutor. This is Election 2020 on WVOW.
3: The Children's Home Society of West Virginia is a private, non-profit child welfare organization founded in 1896. The Children's Home Society's vision is that each child in West Virginia grows up in a safe and nurturing family that provides for his or her current and future needs. If you would like to know more or become a foster parent, call 304-239-2470. The Children's Home Society of West Virginia, serving children and families since 1896
4: hey folks your man travis chopper fair coming to you from dutch miller south charleston west virginia coming to you for some deals on dodge durango this month we got the gt all-wheel drive for only 349 a month or the gt plus all-wheel drive for 419 a month call me for the details and let me chop 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 the prices for you
3: dutch miller chrysler dodge jeep ram and kia in south charleston or visit DutchMillerDodge.com Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services founded in 1975 by Riley Joe Evans is a full-service funeral provider and 2020 makes it 45 years of offering services that respect all faiths, personal preferences, and financial considerations. They're the only funeral home in Boone, Lincoln, and Logan with its own crematory. Contact Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services at 304-855-3232 or visit www.evans-funeral-home dot com or like Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services on Facebook to see their updated obituary information.
6: Here's NECO employee Brianna White.
3: When you are a foster parent with NECO you have a team of people behind you.
5: We have case managers who are in your home answering any questions at any hour of the day you might have. We have therapists we have staff that can come and assist you with anything that might come up. We work with the schools we work with the CPS workers any way that we could
6: be of assistance to help you meet the needs of the children. Call Necco of Logan at 304-752-7830.
3: U.S. Loans is the tri-state's fishing headquarters. Rods and reels, line and lures, life jackets of all sizes, kayaks and canoes, sinkers, hooks, and let's not forget live minnows and bait, including crappie, minnows, and goldfish. The best selection of the best brands in fishing gear and supplies is at U.S. Loans in Man. Formerly Uncle Sam's Loans. Call 304 583 6969.
7: It is
2: election 2020 on WVOW and FM and dot radio.com. Our next uh, debate in our series tonight is between the two candidates for prosecutor of Logan County. They are David Wandling and Joe Spradling. Uh, the uh, Actual random generator on the computer that says the first question goes to Mr. Wandling. Uh, And when we do our second debate, uh, we'll reverse that. Uh, Mr. Wandling, the first question is this. What is the biggest challenge facing the prosecutor's office right now, and how do you plan to address it?
7: Uh,
11: Jay,
2: the single biggest issue
11: uh, affecting uh, the prosecutor's office uh, and the county of Logan is a substance abuse epidemic. It has affected every single person, every single family in Logan County. It has permeated into every facet uh, of our county. Uh, It has threatened to overwhelm uh, entire segments uh, of law enforcement, uh, of child protective services. Uh, We are stretched to the max. Right now, I'm handling over 300 cases myself. Uh, We're filing around 200 abuse and neglect cases a year. So manpower is a huge problem. How do we address it? Um, This is simple supply and demand. Uh, Number one, um, we have to continue to lock up the drug dealers. We have to seize their assets. Over the last eight years as an assistant prosecuting attorney, I have helped the U.S. 119 Task Force forfeit over $286,000 from people who are engaged in drug activity here in Logan County. But if we don't do something to address the demand side of the problem. We're gonna to continue to get the results that you see out there right now in our community. And uh, we have to take advantage of lawyer, uh, law enforcement assisted diversion programs which would keep people out of the court system. We have to we have to work with creative solutions like our drug courts. I have been asked uh, to develop a new family treatment court Uh, which is for parents on abuse and neglect cases. We have to take advantage of all of our our recovery homes and our sober living living homes. Um, So we have to search for creative solutions uh, to get addicts uh, into treatment. There's a time and a place to lock people up. Addicts need to be held accountable, but we need to prioritize
2: treatment over incarceration for nonviolent first-time offenders. Thank you very much Mr. Spradling uh, your rebuttal or response to the same question.
1: Of course I agree that drugs is a great problem,
2: but it's not a new problem.
1: The biggest challenge with the uh, prosecutor's office today is the ability to bring the number and quality of indictments that they need to bring. I've had some horrible examples of uh, indictments that just doesn't address that are just too complicated. And uh, I have stacked charges to make it unfair for the defendant, but they're also burden the prosecutor himself. A lot of the problems they're making all themselves. No wonder they have so many cases, and no wonder uh, they're handling them so much at the same time is because it takes too long. I had a case come over there. It was two years ago. So that's the biggest problem we have today is the ability
2: to bring quality indictments. The next question I have uh, for Mr. Spradling is related to your answer you just gave. In criminal offenses in Logan County, is due process being, condu- due process being conducted efficiently, and are there policies that you would put in to speed up criminal proceedings?
1: Of course, uh, there's policies I would to uh, put in to speed up uh, criminal proceedings. The first thing I'd do, I would take personal charge, of the way the indictments were brought and which indictments are brought. Uh, I would also insist that every case was tried, if at all possible, in the term at the indictment was brought. Or we can, uh, it sh- the flow should be arrest, prelim, Bound over, indicted, but we're having cases that uh, go on for over a year and just go out because of uh, because of time. I would also personally supervise every single pleading, that is, every single petition that the DHHR uh, submitted to the uh, judges to see that they were not only truthful but they were complete. Uh, and this needs to be done at night sometimes, but it needs to be done. That's one reason we have so many cases. The pleadings are not good. I would personally supervise that. The third thing I would do, I would personally take charge of the drug uh, the task force uh, and not allow that just to be done heathers-gather. Everybody, uh, I would personally take charge of that because if you have to coordinate with the federal government, you need one person doing it. You need one person making the calls, and I have that kind of experience, and I would apply it.
2: Mr. Uh, Wandling, your uh, response will rebuttal to the same question. You repeat the question. Uh, Yeah, our criminal offenses in Logan County. efficient? Is due process being done efficiently? Are there policies you would initiate to speed up criminal proceedings? Okay, um
11: yes, due process is being carried out in Logan County. We can always strive to be more efficient. When I met with local law enforcement in an effort to get all of us on the same page, um, I have proposed uh, some changes in the way cases are handled. Uh, I'm a proponent of <laughs> vertical prosecution, and that is the day a case, is charged. Um, It is assigned to a prosecuting attorney. That way, a victim and a police officer have a point of contact within the prosecuting attorney's office. I'm not here to be critical of Mr. Bennett. I think he's done a wonderful job as prosecutor, but I think there are things that we can do to make the system more efficient uh, and get cases through the system
2: uh, on a more expedient basis. Thank you very much. Our next question will uh, go to you first should the logan county prosecutor's office look to go to trial more often look to plea bargain more often or is this something that can only be decided on a case-by-case basis obviously it can only be decided on a case-by-case basis
11: jay if you look nationally there was a 2019 study 98 percent of cases brought in the criminal realm nationally resulted in a plea deal of the two percent that went to trial Eighty three percent of them were convicted. There are very good reasons why criminal defendants are not asserting their right to a jury trial. Now, if you follow Mr. spradling online, he likes to claim that he is a trial lawyer. He likes to claim that he has experience in this realm. John Bennett has been prosecuting attorney for twelve years, since two thousand and eight up to today. During those twelve years, Mr. Spradling has had exactly one jury trial. And that person is doing life in prison. One, he goes on Facebook, attacks my record, when there's nothing to support his own. Uh,
2: Mr. Spradling, your rebuttal and uh, response. Well, first of all, I'm not attacking anybody.
1: Uh, we don't need to attack people. We just need to have more experience in there. Now, it is wrong to say how many trials I have done in so many years, because all of that time I wasn't working as a as a, uh trial lawyer. But I did the first first trial I ever did in Logan, eight days, before Mr. Walling was even on board. She said it was the longest trial that they'd ever had there. I have a long record of trying cases. I think I've tried almost every kind of case that's ever been. But uh, their policies are designed to keep people from having their right to trial and having the public be the ones that decide who The facts of the case.
2: We thank you very much. Our next question goes to you first. Uh, Should there be more resources or less resources and man hours committed to prosecutions involving marijuana?
1: Well, I don't think you can say there should be less because I don't think there many that much of that is being done. Uh, but here's how. Here's the resources we have. The resources. Here are the cases I would try on marijuana. Number one, if it involved a child. Number two, if other drugs were involved, or number three, it was a large commercial operation. Other than that, no more resources are necessary. The police aren't out looking for marijuana, little marijuana bust. They're not trying to do that. We don't need any more. Uh, Effort in that. What we need is more coordinated effort to bring down those drug dealers that come from Columbus and Detroit and up from Florida. Concentrate on that. Let the marijuana go unless it involves a child, it is with other drugs, or it is a large isolated grove. But in those cases, you have many other crimes. You don't have to worry about prosecuting marijuana. That's not to say that I think it's necessarily a good thing, but we don't need to waste our time doing something that where the resources can be much more well spent.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Spradling. Uh, Should there be more resources and more man hours dedicated to prosecuting marijuana cases or less resources and time?
11: Jay, Joe says we have the resources. We don't. We don't have the resources to tackle the opioid epidemic, which has morphed into uh, uh, the meth problem, um, which uh, is, again, threatening to overwhelm the criminal justice system here in Logan County. However, Mr. Spradling's answer uh, would be fine if he wanted to be a federal prosecutor. As a state-level prosecutor, you have a duty to prosecute every case that comes across your desk. You don't get to pick and choose. As of right now, September 15, 2020, possession of marijuana, cultivation of marijuana is still illegal in the state of West Virginia. And as a county-level prosecutor, a state prosecutor, you have a duty to enforce the laws on the books. You do not get to pick and choose what cases you prosecute.
2: Thank you very much. Our next question goes to you. And we've got uh, uh, one more round of questions, and then we'll go to our five-minute closing statement. Mr. Wondling, should the juvenile and adult drug court programs in Logan County be expanded or contracted or why?
11: They should absolutely be expanded. Jay, we have been locking people up in this country for 45 years for drug-related activity. Go out here and talk to voters. Talk to the people that live here and see what return we're getting on that investment. Um, We uh, have a jail built for 100 in 20 odd people it's always at least two t- if not three times over capacity we've run out of home confinement equipment twice we have to look for creative solutions drug court is our most intensive outpatient program here in the county juvenile drug court is something i have been actively involved in over the last 8 years as an assistant prosecuting attorney you don't have to be an addict to get into juvenile drug court you simply have to be an at risk youth A child who is in the system who is either tested positive or it's someone that we have identified through maybe uh, uh, exposure in their home uh, or or the behaviors at school who is at risk. And getting involved with young people before they commit serious crimes as adults, before they become addicts, is the only way that we're going to address uh, this cycle of addiction which exists here in Logan County. We have to take a more active role with young people. Uh, So juvenile drug court needs to be expanded. Adult drug court needs to be expanded. And here in the coming days, it's been delayed a little bit because of the coronavirus. We have a new treatment court for abuse and neglect neglect clients. And hopefully that will keep some of these families together. I know Boone County has had some success with their program, and we are modeling our program here in Logan after what Judge Thompson in Boone County uh, started earlier this year. Uh, but those programs absolutely need to be expanded. Again, there's a time and a place to hold addicts accountable. Uh, but we need to look for creative
2: solutions to address addiction. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Spradling, uh, your response?
1: I'm not a fan of drug court, and here's why. It's a state-run program. They can't get to the heart of the problem. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, I think this would just be just a wonderful day for me to go out and ruin, take some drugs and ruin my life. The problem is in the heart. Therefore, I favor faith-based programs. The, drug, the uh, state-based programs are, pro- prohibit, are prohibited from, by law from doing the real things they need to do. Plus, I've just seen so many times that uh, they have the governor over here so other people there for, over here for a graduation for three people, and one of my friends went out, and the next three days was building a meth lab. I don't think those are effective. Faith-based faith programs are better.
2: Mr. Spradling, uh, the last question in this uh, series of debate, uh, and until next time, goes to you first. Overall, and just in general, we've spoken about this some tonight already. Overall, what adjustments would you make to how the prosecutor's office operates in general? Well. First, I've already addressed is that I
1: would take charge. I would stand up and I would get a coordinated system. I would be the person that decided which indictments are brought rather than just have each individual. Mr. Weiling likes to call it vertical prosecution. But somebody's going to have to take charge there because the quality of indictments I see uh, very poor. And that's caused useless litigation, and they're low in number. Uh, And he says that the state does not have a choice to who to prosecute. They're doing it. They're doing it. Every prosecutor's office has discretion. Uh, The second thing I would do is that I would personally supervise all of the uh, petitions brought by the CPS, because a lot of times... They're not even completely filled out. You need someone here at night and weekends to do that for them. We have legal petitions filled out by people that are not lawyers and presented to a judge. It would save a lot of time down the road, and even the Attorney General's representative to the DHR has told me, he said, why aren't they letting a lawyer do that? You know, a lawyer needs to be here during the weekends and the night times to do that. The third thing, I would try to get even – I would uh, set a pattern there of uh, probably of uh, more even-handed pay. I would also make sure there was no political influence there, and I would, I would push for a higher quality of indictment and more indictments. I think they have the resources.
11: We
2: thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Wandling, your response?
11: Well, Jay, I, I would hope that a person that wants to be prosecutor would take charge when he got into office. Uh, i be quite frank about it. I'm not even sure what half of his answer means. Uh, you don't need to be here on weekends to represent the DHHR. There's a process called ratification, which is where petitions are filed after hours. Uh, they consult a judge. If a judge has problems with the petition, he sends it back. But things that can be changed, I think, Um, I mentioned it earlier, we need to to, 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 uh, uh, expand law enforcement-assisted diversion programs. As everyone's aware, we have had a spike in overdoses year. Law enforcement-assisted diversion programs, LEAD programs, are programs where law enforcement gets involved after they've responded to an overdose. They are then able to go out in the community after medical treatment has been sought by that person in an effort to keep them out of the court system. It's a wonderful program. It needs to be expanded,
2: and it's something that I would change on day one. We thank you very much, and uh, thanks for uh, only edging up to a, a personal attack and not going all the way. Uh, gentlemen, we are now go to our five-minute closing statement. And uh, as Mr. Wondling got the first question, uh, Mr. Spradling will get to make his closing statement first.
1: When I was uh, cutting risers for my porch, I was just whacking here and there with my new saw, my wife got so frustrated, she went in the house. Came back out a little bit later and said, make yourself a pattern. Mark out all the risers. Set them all out at once and get something done. Start getting something done. That's exactly the same approach I, I would take. First of all, I listened to her. And it's a good thing because now my porch to the stage I've gotten it is straight and square but she had a good idea there and I, what i would do as prosecutor first i would listen to people i i would not shy away i would not, i would give information out where it was ethical to do so the next thing i would set the pattern i would make a pattern for indictments it's right in the code how you do them as my english teacher said seventh grade Hit the nail on the head. Don't try to stack about 20 charges on somebody to uh, scare them into making a plea. Just hit the nail on the head. See what it is. And then clearly write that. And then if they want a trial, give them a trial. Then you're ready for a trial. But I've got indictments. I had one that charged 19 felonies among three people. And out of it, they got one reduced felony and one misdemeanor, which later they increased to a felony. wasted their time. They had the information right in front of them that didn't have to do it. I would set the pattern. I would make the mark. I would say what we need to do, and then we would do it. Thirdly, I would be out among the people enough so they would know. All this coordination and so forth we talk about and aiding and so forth that could be done at the biscuit place it's just like flying an airplane you don't coordinate when it's on the ground you lift off and then you start coordinating you do your work you coordinate when you do your work not before you do your work i would see as i repeated three times i risk over i would see that everything that the dhhr does was submitted to judicial review if it's going to be given to a judge It is asinine to let a social worker write a legal pleading and then just get into court and see what you can do with it. I would uh, see that that's done, and yes, it does have to be done on the weekend and nights. It has to be done. But as the Attorney General said, look how much work it saves down the road. Look how much heartbreak it saves for kids. They're taken uh, from their parents, and then they have to look at this. Well, I guess we got this wrong. I guess we'll just have to return these kids. And I've seen some petitions that would horrify you. Uh, and I, had, I know one child that was placed in eight placements, and a lot of it could have been saved if they started it in the beginning. I, I'd make I, – I would – I would set the pattern. I would make the marks. I would listen to the people. I would quit paying with tools and get the job
11: done.
2: Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. a uh, five-minute closing statement, sir.
11: Before I start,
2: um, while we were starting and the House debate
11: was going on here today, um, uh, a friend of mine uh, who I went to high school with, Scotty Dingus, is the pastor at West Logan Church of God, held an online event for Larry Coffin Daffer. Uh, He's near and dear to my heart, and he's in a bad way, Uh, and I would just ask people who were listening to this, who were here tonight, who didn't have an opportunity to participate, um, if you could take a second out of your time this evening, tomorrow, and if you pray, then please pray for Larry. Uh, He's been instrumental in my life um, for as long as I can remember, uh, and I would ask that you do that. But my name is David Wanley, and I'm running for prosecuting attorney. Uh, I've been working here in Logan as a lawyer for almost 15 years. I've worked as an assistant prosecuting attorney for the last eight years. I've handled thousands of cases as an assistant prosecuting attorney over the last eight years in every single area of the law in which a prosecutor is expected to practice. Um, I have handled thousands of misdemeanor cases. I spent the first two years working uh, three days a week uh, in magistrate court. I've handled hundreds of felonies. Uh, I've handled around 1,400 cases on behalf of Child Protective Services. I've handled countless juvenile cases in all areas of juvenile law. And as I said earlier, I have helped the United States 119 Task Force forfeit over $286,000 during the eight years that I've been at the Logan County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. I am the candidate that has the experience which is relevant to become Logan County's next prosecuting attorney. I am trusted. Uh, the president of the West Virginia State Bar handpicked me to be on the Lawyer Disciplinary Board, which oversees cases uh, involving attorneys that have run afoul of their ethical duties. In 2017, CPS thought so much of the way that I was doing my job that they awarded me with the Weekend Social Services Award, which was given based on my uh, efforts to protect Logan County's children and because of my uh, commitment uh, to this community. So I'm trusted and I have the experience. I'm also supported. I have run my campaign in a way where I'm trying to get the support of law enforcement. I'm trying to get the support of child protective services and of the school system. So far, I've met with the West Virginia State Police and the Logan County Sheriff's Department. I have the support of both candidates running for sheriff. Chris Trent, uh, 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 he graciously went uh, uh, on his <laughs> social media site and endorsed me, as did his boss. But I have the support of both candidates running for share. I have the support of law enforcement. Mr. Spradling does not. I have the support of Child Protective Services. Mr. Spradling does not. Uh, Our Child Protective Service workers are the most overlooked and underappreciated people who are working on the front lines of the drug epidemic, which is affecting every facet of this community. They're underpaid, um, they're understaffed, and they are on call 365 days a year. Um, and going into some of the worst environments, the most heartbreaking situations in this community every single day. Uh, And for that, I'm very grateful, and I am grateful to have their support. Um, But the number one issue affecting Logan County is the substance abuse epidemic. It started as opioids. We as a community weren't serious about addressing it, and that is morphed morphed into methamphetamine, and even more serious opiates like fentanyl and heroin. People are dropping dead every day in our community from overdoses. It's time that we got serious about this problem. We can do better, and we have to do better. And that's why I'm running. I have dedicated the first 15 years of my career to making this community a better place, and I'm ready to take the next step. Uh, I believe that we need to send a message to Detroit and Columbus drug dealers. If you come here to sell dope, we're going to lock you up. We're going to take your money. We're going to take your property, and then we're going to put you in prison. But if we don't start addressing the addiction – Uh, then we are going to get the same results that we're looking at out there on the streets today. Uh, My family has been touched by it. Every family that I know has been touched by it. Um, When I'm out here interacting with voters every day over the last couple months, there's a sense of hopelessness in our community. There's anger. There's great sadness. um, And I've been through all of that. It has given me what I think is a sense of empathy where I can be a better prosecutor because I can bring that, my life experience, into the courtroom. And it allows me to treat people more fairly and more reasonably. But So what do we do with addicts? One, I've mentioned twice here tonight, law enforcement assisted diversion programs. Those are ways that law enforcement can get involved prior to addicts coming into the system.
9: Um,
11: And then we have to expand our treatment courts, um, but we have to hold addicts accountable too. There's a time and a place to lock them up. Uh, But we have to get creative, and we're going to have to do more with less because there are budgetary issues coming. Uh, I would ask you to vote for me on November the 3rd.
2: Thank you very much, and I congratulate both of you gentlemen on uh, excellent work today uh, during our debate. Uh, Thank you both very much. Up next, uh, candidates for sheriff will be on board. This is Election 2020, debate series on WVOW.
3: Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services, founded in 1975 by Riley Joe Evans, is a full-service funeral provider. And 2020 makes it 45 years of offering services that respect all faiths, personal preferences, and financial considerations. They're the only funeral home in Boone, Lincoln, and Logan with its own crematory. Contact Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services at 304-855-3232 or visit www.evans-funeral-home.com or like Evans Funeral Home and Cremation Services on Facebook to see their updated obituary information.
6: Here's NECO employee Jennifer Smith. We struggle with
8: placing teenagers, and we would love to have more parents get involved and step forward. That will have a heart for these teenagers to teach them how to become an adult, to be loved and cared for, and want them to succeed in life. And you could be that person.
6: Call Necco of Logan at 304-752-7830.
3: The Children's Home Society of West Virginia is a private, non-profit child welfare organization founded in 1896. The Children's Home Society's vision is that each child in West Virginia grows up in a safe and nurturing family that provides for his or her current and future needs. If you would like to know more or become a foster parent, call 304 239 2470 the children's home society of west virginia serving children and families since 1896.
4: hey folks your man travis chopper fair come to you from dutch miller south charleston west virginia Home of friends and family pricing. We got the 19 model Ram heavy duty trucks right now up to $6,500 off from the 25 crew tradesmen or $7,500 off on the 3,500 crew Bighorn. Call me for the details and let me chop, chop, chop the prices for you.
3: 304-343-7700 or visit DutchMillerDodge.com U.S. Loans is the Tri-State's fishing headquarters. Rods and Rills, line and lures, life jackets of all sizes, kayaks and canoes, sinkers, hooks, and let's not forget live minnows and bait, including crappie, minnows, and goldfish. The best selection of the best brands in fishing gear and supplies is at U.S. Loans in Man, formerly Uncle Sam's Loans. Call 304-583-6969.
7: It is Election 2020
2: on WVOW, AM and FM, and WVOWradio.com. Tonight, our series of debates will finalize and become uh, uh, the last thing we do tonight, although we've got more of these coming, are the candidates for sheriff of Logan County. Uh, We've got uh, Paul P.D. Clemens. Uh, He is a candidate, the Democrat candidate, and the Republican candidate is Chris Trent. By random choice, Mr. Clemens will get the first question, or get the first question first, and I'll ask it now. What is the single greatest need that the Sheriff's Department has, and how will you address that need? Well, I'd say they need more funding. Uh, The funding is done by the
10: County Commission. I don't know exactly. I'd have to work with the County Commission to get more funding. I'm sure that uh, there are grants out there right now that are being got. I'm sure there may be more out there. I would have somebody specifically look for uh, more grants that will bring us in more money and more funding. Uh, there may be a way, like they do at the state level, where they tax uh, add a penny on pop or a penny on uh, beer, maybe something at the county level to add an extra tax on something.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Trent, uh, your response?
10: Thank you, Jay. And First of all, thanks
0: to you and Aaron and Mike and to WBOW and to Southern for hosting this important debate. Um, I would just like to say that uh, you know PD is correct, and that the most important need uh, of the sheriff's department is funding. And uh, you know, currently we apply for every grant coming and going, which is relevant to us. And so far, since I've been to the sheriff's office in 2018, we brought in more than uh, one million dollars in state, local, and federal grant money. Um, and uh, as far as the idea of raising taxes to fund the Sheriff's Department, I'm absolutely opposed to that. I think Logan Countyans are taxed enough. Uh, I think in addition to property taxes and the levy and excess levy and the school board levy, we pay enough taxes. What we got to do is cut out some waste, fraud, and abuse in the county if we can find it and then work backwards from there.
2: The next question goes to you. Uh, uh, first, do you plan to make major changes in the Sheriff's Department, or will it be a matter of building on what is already there?
0: Well, Jay, as you know, uh, I'm endorsed proudly by Sheriff Sonia Porter, uh, the current sheriff. And uh, so the answer to that question would be, I plan to build on what we already have. We put in a huge amount of time um, and effort to build strong relationships with the Logan County Board of Education, with uh, Logan Regional Medical Center, and the Sexual Assault Response Team. Um, and we're always looking at other, you know, community partners as far as prevention coalitions, um, I know that PD also serves on the Board of uh, PIECES, just as I do. but uh, So, yeah, uh, not only would we be looking for new programs, definitely build on what we have because what we have is working. Uh, our kids in Logan County enjoy some of the safest schools around as far as technology, as far as cameras, as far as deputies in school. And We just got the grant recently, uh, the uh, federal grant, the COPS hiring grant, that's going to allow us to put three more deputies into the Logan County schools. So that's going to be a total of six school resource officers, um, so definitely we, we think we're doing good work and we definitely want to build on that.
2: Mr. Clemens. I'll, uh, it goes to you for your response. Uh, do you plan to make major changes to the sheriff's department or build on what's already there? Well, Jay, so taking on
10: experience where I have been with the state police for 25 years and have moved from detachment to detachment with transfers and promotions and also as the chief of police at Logan, and when I was the uh, chief at uh, the Logan County Sheriff's Department, I'll go in and I'll look and see what needs to be done. Uh, I may build on what's already there, and I may make changes. But if there's no changes that need to be made, I'm not a guy that just goes in and makes changes just to be making changes. I want to go in and I want to
2: evaluate what's going on and then make my decisions from there. Uh, The next question goes to you first. Uh, What are your budget priorities for the sheriff's department? Uh, Is it deputies, more vehicles? What would be your priorities in terms of budget for the sheriff's department? My priority would be more deputies. But in order
10: to have more deputies, then you're also going to have to have more cars and you're going to have to have more equipment. But my priority would be to hire more deputies so that we can have more people out on the road, more boots on the ground, out here doing the work that needs to be done to solve these crimes and to help uh, deter drugs.
2: Mr. Trent, your
10: response to a rebuttal? Thank you, Jay.
0: Well, uh, you know, PD is not wrong. We can always use more deputies. In 2018, the Logan County Sheriff's Department answered almost 12,000 cost for service uh, through Logan 911. Um, that doesn't include walk-ins, CPS escorts, things like that. Um, so, But the budget priority that, that I would have um, would definitely be to find the latest equipment that'll keep the, de- the uh, deputy safe on the road um, and to get more involved in the local community. And we just recently got a uh, grant from the uh, CARES Act, uh, and we're, we purchased two satellite uh, satellite buildings. One is going to be placed at the hearts and the other at man uh, in the hopes that people can go there and pay their taxes for the sheriff's department, people can go there and meet with a deputy, and people can go there and possibly fill out victim, uh, you know, victim statements.
2: Our next question goes to you first. Uh, what skill set do you have that will benefit the sheriff's department?
0: Thanks for the question, Jay. Um,
2: the skill set that
0: I have is that, as we know, most current deputies, you know, they're after the bad guys, as it should be. In my role now with the sheriff's office, I have focused on victims and their healing and getting justice for that victim. Uh, and that comes in many different ways, but mostly um, I think the best thing that we can do is put the bad guy in jail. Um, but, you know, some of the skill sets that I have is uh, I'm a great administrator. Uh, I administer more than a million dollars in grant funding, uh, great financials. I know the county budget backwards and forwards, and um, I would be able to come in, you know, Day one, and uh, know the standpoint from the victim side. I'd be able to know the budget. Uh, I know the tax office, and when you have those really heinous cases, and God forbid, but you know you have you know child sexual assault. Uh, I know the process. I know the investigation techniques. Uh, I know the proper way to set up you know forensic interviews. Uh, everything from the sexual assault kit, all those things. That's sort of my specialty. Um, so that coupled with budget issues. Uh, and knowing the county budget backwards and forwards. That's my skill set.
2: Mr. Clemens, same question, Uh, one-minute response or rebuttal. What skill set do you bring that will benefit the Sheriff's Department? Well,
10: as the Chief of Police at Logan,
2: I also deal with budgets, so I know how to do budgets. I was
10: also the Chief Deputy, think I said, for three years, and I know the tax department. I know how it runs, so I can jump up and hit that running also. Also, I was in the state police for 25 years, starting out as a trooper, retired as a rank major uh, in charge of field services for the state of West Virginia. I was the chief of police, like I said, right now for three years, chief deputy three and a half years. I conducted uh, insurance fraud investigations for 11 years. I know how to arrest people. I know how to serve warrants. I know how to obtain warrants. I have uh, testified in federal court. I've testified in state court and I could hit the ground up, running, and ready to go as far as the law enforcement
2: side. Thank Thank you very much. Uh, Our next question goes to Mr. Clemens. first. Are drugs still the number one crime problem in Logan County? And if it is still the number one problem, uh, do you have any new ideas on how to address it? Uh, It is absolutely the number one problem, because any
10: crime that we have, It starts out with drugs. People are usually breaking into houses, stealing off porches, whatever they have to do to get their money to buy the drugs. That's where the majority of the money goes to. They'll fence it, and then they'll get the money. Uh, As far as new things, I think the prosecutor before me, Mr. Walling, expanded on that to get more involved uh, with the other agencies and get out and get the programs going. We're bringing people in, and we're talking to them, and we're trying to get them help
2: instead of just putting him in jail. Mr. Trent, uh, your rebuttal or response.
0: Thank you, Jay. You know, since I've been with the sheriff's department, it's been unfortunate that I've seen, you know, uh, parents who, are, you know, who are um, addicted to drugs, children who are abused. And so drugs are the number one issue. And as chief Clemens said, most of the crimes in Logan County stem from that. And although we may not be able to reform an addict all the time by putting them in prison, I am sick and tired of seeing these out-of-state drug dealers from Akron, Detroit, and Columbus come down here, peddle their poison, and leave nothing but death and destruction in their wake. A lot of times these people are caught with tens of thousands of dollars on them. They they go to magistrate court, they get a free lawyer. Now, I'm all for due process, and I believe in constitutional rights. But when someone's caught with $30,000 in the glove box and they don't have a job, it's time that we take a look at that.
2: I thank you very much. One final question, and we'll go to Mr. Trent first. What measures will you take to ensure transparency for the Sheriff's Department?
0: Thanks for the question, Jay. Um, as most people know, um, my website, votechristrent.com, uh, has my entire platform. Transparency is a big part of that. My campaign Facebook page, I do try to do weekly live videos, answer questions from the public. I believe in transparency. So when you're looking at the law enforcement side, uh, you know, because you have the sheriff and then you also act as a County treasurer. So on the law enforcement side, uh, I'll be honest with you. I think that the country is moving towards a place and it's going to come to the point where feds won't give us, won't give us the money if we don't wear body cams. And I'll be honest with you. I think body cameras are the way to go for police officers. In 99.9% of the cases that we see, it normally protects the officer. That is one way that I would advocate for transparency on the law enforcement side. On the uh, tax office side, uh, acting as treasurer, I would always make sure that county tax dollars are never subject to waste, fraud, or abuse. I would put questionable spending on Facebook. I would act as an advisor and treasurer to the county commission. Although they are solely, you know, they are solely responsible for, you know, doling out all the money, I would make sure that my input would be there, and I would also do a yearly sheriff's report on uh, spending that I considered wasteful in Logan County and let the taxpayers decide what they think of those expenditures.
2: Mr. Clemens, same question for you or a rebuttal. Uh, What measures will you take to ensure transparency in the sheriff's department? Jay, I'm all about transparency also.
10: I also have no problem with uh,
2: body cameras.
10: I think body cameras also are the way to go. Uh, it not only helps the officer, but it helps the people that you're arresting and the people that you're dealing with. A lot of times people make false accusations against the officer, and it's right there on camera. They can't say this happened or that happened. And the officer also can't lie. Uh, they, they're going to say, well, this happened or that, but it's right there on camera. So I'm all about transparency also. As far as the uh, tax department goes, uh, you know, everybody should be treated the same. Everybody should be paid their fair with taxes and I'll say that all everybody's paying their taxes. I'll work with the county
2: commission any way I can with the budget to see that it is spent right. Thank you very much. Uh, We now go to our five minute closing statements, and we'll start with Mr. Trent.
0: Again, Jay, thanks to you, thanks to Aaron, thanks to Mike, thanks to WVOW Radio, and thanks to Southern West Virginia Community and Technical College for hosting this important debate. It's been tough to get out. campaign during the time of COVID, but I hope the people listening at home uh, or listening in their cars treat this as a a job interview because that's exactly what it is. Um, My Democrat opponent PD is a fantastic guy and I I truly mean that. He's never been anything but nice to me, Um, but it's important that Logan Countyans have a choice in this election Um, and it's no secret that PD is the favorite in this race and So far, his technique of kind of being, you know, being quiet on the issues has has been a smart political tactic. Um, But although that's smart, I think that's not total transparency to the voters. You all deserve to know where we stand on issues, whether you agree or disagree. Um, So even if someone gets mad, it's still important that you know our convictions and where we stand on the issues. Um, that's why I have my platform up, you know, like I said, on my Facebook page, uh, and on votechristrent.com. Um, and that's why I'm here tonight, uh, to let everyone know my convictions and how I plan to protect their lives, property and their families. Um, you know, Jay, I love Logan County more than anyone. And there may be someone out there who loves it just as much as you know, I do, but nobody loves it more. And we live in a county has been ruined by out-of-state drug dealers and by lifetime politicians who have controlled the local establishment, uh, and it's also no secret that I'm not the establishment candidate. Um, and But that's why a lot of these people have never had to deliver for the citizens of Logan County. The next sheriff is going to have the awesome responsibility of protecting citizens, their families, their property, and their tax dollars, and I want the job as sheriff and treasurer of Logan County. I do not care about the title. If you elect me, I'll do everything in my power to lock up the Detroit drug dealers
11: who are ruining
0: our families and leaving nothing but death and destruction in their wake. I promise that I'll make sure that your tax dollars are never subject to waste, fraud, or abuse. I promise to try my best to get the nonviolent, low-level offenders out of Southwestern Regional and onto the roads picking up the trash because our state road crews and our civic organizations have better things to do with their time. I promise to continue fighting tooth and nail against needle exchange in Logan County. I promise to always protect the Second Amendment God-given constitutional right that we have to bear arms. And it's important to note that uh, I have an A-plus rating from the West Virginia Citizens Defense League, our largest Second Amendment rights group in this state, and uh, Mr. Clemens didn't submit the survey in the primary or the general. I promise to work with the prosecutor to, to seize dilapidated properties in our neighborhoods that are being used as drug dens. I promise to try my hardest to keep bringing in the millions of federal grant dollars that we are able to get and that we've already received. I promise to try to put more deputies in the schools because our kids can never be safe enough. And finally, you know, we always hear... President Trump talking about draining the swamp in Washington, D.C., but I want everyone to know that we have a little bit of a swamp problem here in Logan. And the vast majority of Logan Countyans uh, have been left out of the cold because we're not swamp creatures. But I want everybody to know, that if you elect like me as your next sheriff and treasurer of Logan County, I will do everything I can to drain the swamp and make Logan County safe and prosperous again. And I would just like to conclude by saying I'm endorsed by the current sheriff, Sonia Porter, former Sheriff Eddie Hunter, Congresswoman Carol Miller, uh, the Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, the West Virginia Sheriff's Association, which represents all 55 county sheriffs, and I have an A-plus rating from the West Virginia Citizens Defense League. Now, I say all that to say this. The only endorsement that matters is the endorsement of the people of Logan County on Election Day. I need your vote on November 3rd. Thank you all again. God bless you, and God bless Logan County.
2: Thank you very much, Mr. Clemens. Uh, your five-minute closing statement. Well, everything that Mr. Trent said, I have
10: done and I will continue to do for 41 years. I came to this uh, county as a trooper when I was 20 years old. I took, like I said, promotions and got transferred around, but I never left here. I stayed here. I could have moved to Princeton, I could have moved to Lewisburg, I could have moved to a number of different places where I was transferred to, but I chose to stay here.
7: And I became part of
10: my community. Uh, I coached Chapmanville uh, Middle League football for five years, I coached, I was the head coach at Chapmanville Middle School football for seven years, I coached boys and girls middle school basketball, I coached... uh, High School Girls Basketball. I continue to serve as scorekeeper for the Chapmanville High School Boys Team. I continue to keep the stats for the Chapmanville High School Football Team. I believe in becoming part of your community. Now, Chris has talked about the establishment. I'm not really sure what the establishment is. I wanted to run for sheriff because several of my friends came to me and told me they wanted a sheriff who had law enforcement experience. Well, I have that experience, and I decided to run. I'm not a politician, and I've never professed to be a politician. I just want to be the sheriff of Logan County, so I can continue to serve and protect the citizens of this county, as I have for the last 41 years. Uh, when I retired from the state police, I became the chief of police here in, Lo- or chief of deputy in Logan. I did that for three years, and then I became the uh, assistant superintendent of the uh, juvenile center in Boone County, the Don Larkin Center, and I did that for two years. And that was a great job because I got to do what I like to do best, which is work with kids. But I didn't like being confined to one building. I was used to getting out and being with people and and
7: being on the road.
10: So I chose to come back to Logan as as an investigator for the Office of the Insurance Commission for the state of West Virginia to prosecute crimes here not only in Logan but all southern West Virginia. we had a case here in Logan where I was very instrumental, went federal, where we prosecuted six people on arson charges. Uh, like I said, I've been there. I've done that, what he's talking about. I know how to feel on search warrants. I know how to arrest people. I've been an administrator for 31 of my years. Um, so I'm very well-versed in administrative. And I feel like, based on all my experience, both as an administrator and as a law enforcement officer, I'm the best candidate for this county to serve and protect the people.
2: Gentlemen, I want to thank you both. And once again, I give you kudos for uh, excellence in today's debate. Thank you so much. Uh, that will wrap it up for tonight. Now, remember, we do have two more series of debates coming up. The next one is coming up on September. Uh, do I have it right? 27th or 29th? It's on September 29th. And we will uh, hope to, you will join us then. Thanks to everyone involved, including our engineer, Terry Bucklew, back at the radio station. Thanks to our sponsors and to Southern West Virginia Community and Technical College. And thanks to each and every candidate for participating tonight. This has been Election 2020 on WVOW.